We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm Chris. I'm Calvin Lamont. And welcome to The Better Buy. Welcome to The Better Buy, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier. Each week, we talk to experts about the highs and lows of home ownership and share stories, advice, and practical tips you can actually put to work in your own space. In this episode, I'm speaking with Chris and Calvin Lamont. Chris and Calvin are the twin brothers and self-made developers behind HGTV's Buy It or Build It, a hit show rooted in their shared passion for real estate, home renovation, and home building. Hello, Chris and Calvin Lamott. Thank you both so much for being here. Of course, you're twins. I'm just curious who's older. I'm Chris, and I'm the older one by three whole minutes. (laughs) Nice. Lucky you, Chris. I'm Calvin Lamont, and I'm a little younger, but I'm not the younger brother. It's nice. Your voices are a little bit different. We were hoping for that for our listeners' sake, so... Chris and Calvin Lamont are here to talk all things home renovation and building. You moved to Dallas shortly after graduating with a dream to be in real estate after selling a car for $4,000, gave you some cash to start. I'm curious, why Dallas? Why real estate? And whose car was it? Well, this is Chris talking. And why Dallas is because we had a friend that lived in Dallas and he was starting to do home flipping and wholesaling. And we wanted to do something after football careers because we knew football was going to be over. So when we got to Dallas with our friend, we decided to start a business. But it was 2007, 2008. So it was definitely a little difficult to start in real estate back then. Yeah. So we kind of took a leap of faith and came to Texas, even though we're actually born in Houston, Texas, Melody. And this is Calvin Lamont talking now. So we kind of went back home in a way, motivated by our friend that was already in the industry, but the market wasn't ready for us at that time. And we're only 21 years old. And we sold our own car that we had in college. It was a Mazda 6. We owed maybe like $9,000 left on it. And we sold it for like six or whatever it was left over. It was like $4,000. And that $4,000 was gone very quickly. (laughs) I can imagine. You both studied business. Calvin, I believe you have a degree in business information systems. And Chris, you studied supply chains. Did you learn anything specifically in business school that ended up being very helpful in your real estate careers or that sort of set that fire to pursue real estate? Yeah, we went to Lehigh University, smaller college, so with a lot more hands-on classes of 20, 15 people. So you had to be locked in. The teacher knew who you were. In our business classes, we really learned how to start a business plan. And when we first came out of college, we were doing all that, Melanie. We were doing the business plans. We had SWOT analysis. We were doing all the business stuff we could do to try to see how this business would work. And then also being able to digest a lot of information quickly and then be able to disseminate that and also build a plan around that and execute on it. Lehigh was great about allowing us to do a lot of work fast and being able to do a lot of different things. And when you're a small business owner, especially when you first start off, your hands are in a lot of different things. You wear a lot of different hats. So it was a great experience at Lehigh University. 
And you mentioned the words of your football coach who encouraged you to focus on what you can control. Can one of you speak to that as a mantra and why that works so well for you? Yeah, this is Calvin talking. Coach Limbo at Lehigh University used to always say, worry about the things you can control and don't spend time worrying about things you can't. So things that are out of your control in football, it might be somebody holding or it might be the weather, the weather. But things you can't control is how much you study, how much time you put into your business or to the sport or anything you're doing. That kind of gives you the control and takes the worry about other things out your head. So that was a great kind of mantra that our coach kind of taught us back then. And now we go by our new mantra is slow down and speed up. That's something that my brother and I use a lot. And we learned that when we first graduated from Lehigh and came to Texas when we were 21, 22 years old, and we were moving fast and we didn't have the plan, everything ready. We kind of had to slow down and speed up to get to be successful. Can you speak to me more about that time after you ran out of money in Dallas when you're wearing a million hats and you're essentially two guys on a truck? You started a floor care and commercial janitorial services company, I believe. Yes, ma'am. Did you ever feel discouraged? We felt like it just was taking longer than we thought. Right. So obviously when we first came out to Dallas, it was really hard. But when we started the business in itself, I found out my first son, he's now about to be 13 years old, was about to be born. So that was another obstacle that we had to overcome and say, you know, we're still going to do it. We knew that we were going to try to be successful, but we knew it was going to take time. But we didn't know it was going to take so much time where we had to do a lot of sacrifices. We didn't get to go out all the time. We didn't get to go back to New Jersey and go to the weddings when people were getting older. We had to stay focused and do what we needed to do to get where we are today. Yes, definitely. So when that $4,000 ran out, it pretty much wasn't even used on the business. So when you come out here, you have to get an apartment. For those who are coming out of a university or leaving your parents' home for the first time, you have no furniture. You have nothing really. So we had to buy furniture get a new car. So we sold our car and eventually we had to buy another car. So that money was gone really fast. So what we did was we started that janitorial floor company and we were working bigger jobs. We started out doing like universities and schools, had like 30, 40 employees, but the money wasn't coming in faster. So we started adding services like residential carpet cleaning. And then we just kind of snowballed that from janitorial cleaning. So yeah, this is Chris. After we started, we just wanted to live. We knew Melanie, that we always wanted to do real estate. That was the goal. Mm -hmm. And what was the seed of that desire to do real estate? Where was that born from? I can give his own answer. But for me, after playing Division One football and understanding that I can either be a coach and do something like that and lead men, or I can do something for my community and to build communities and still do something from the beginning to the end and have a end goal and you have accountability in the whole nine yards, you can be very successful. There's an end to a start to it and you can also grow, keep assets. It's a lot of stuff in real estate that allows you to make money, but also have assets as well. I thought it was a home run. I'm going to keep my answer a little shorter, y'all. But similar to my brother's answer, the main thing was leaving a legacy. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do in real estate, architect, engineers, designers, titles, title companies, attorneys. My brother and I are actually real estate developers and general contractors. So not only do we buy the land or lots or homes, we also remodel them ourselves. And even though we use other companies too, because we do a lot, we also do build our own homes too. So that was something that I really wanted to do was kind of leave something here. And what's better than leaving a house that's going to be there for years and years and years that people can live in and build their own memories and dreams. And so that was my goal, to leave something here that wasn't before I was here. 
So while you're two guys on a truck building this commercial janitorial company, it may not be your exact dream, but you're building a real business. And then in phase two, you're fixing water and fire damaged homes. How did fixing homes help you hone your renovation skills? I can see clearly how you're honing your business skills. And I'm curious if that is how you developed a lot of those developer skills. It was almost like a blessing when it comes to how our transition went from carpet cleaning, janitorial services, water, fire damage, and then we did restoration. And then she started flipping houses. And the water damage and the fire damage was critical because first of all, it allowed us to have a certification and two things that you really need in this world to be successful, especially when you're flipping a home. You don't know at that time, but if you're flipping a home, fire damage, water from the water heater that was broke or something. We knew how to fix those things. We knew how to do mold. We were in New Jersey 30 days or 60 days with Hurricane Sandy. So we got a lot of experience hands-on. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that was crazy, seeing ships on the streets. And for our listeners who might be interested, how did you actually get those certifications? What's the process? There's a certification that you can get in water and fire restoration and in mold. So we said, for us to do this, how can we do it the right way, do it better? So we took a step back, we slowed down, we did research about the certifications, and we took classes, and then we kind of learned about the actual mediation and repair of water. And we learned about the business and how you get work. And that's how we were able to kind of align ourselves with some of the biggest companies and do real big work and make a lot of money fast in that industry, which allowed us to be able to grow faster. So now we go from doing janitorial cleaning to doing bigger jobs that you're making $40,000, $50,000 in 10 days. Wow. And Melanie, one last thing about that is whenever you get into a business, I would tell anybody, find out what are the barriers to entry and how do you actually get work? Mm -hmm. So for example, you're not going to get water and fire damage jobs consistently by knocking on doors and thinking that they're just going to call you because of the insurance companies and how they work. So we had to find out how insurance companies get water damage people. So we got into these type of organizations where they would call us to do work. We work with bigger businesses. So now, like you said, two guys on the truck became very successful in it pretty quickly because we knew exactly how to go and we were able to get big work that we would never get by ourselves. So that was a big break for us. And then by 2015, you're actively renovating and building entire homes and you develop a very strong reputation doing this. I'm curious, what is it that made you two stand out aside from the fact that you're handsome twins? Bingo, Melanie. Well, thank you for that. We're so humbled to hear that. So 2015, we got started doing renovations. And I think what separated us, just to answer your question first, was our designs. Me and Chris, we did a lot of our work in the historic district. My brother's brand new house that we're in right now is in a historic district in Dallas. And those homes are 100-year-old homes, 90-year-old homes. And there's a lot you have to do with them, but you have to be real creative to bring out that uh, contemporary look that we like to use in our mm-hmm. homes. Have you always had good taste? Have aesthetics always been important? Yeah, because traveling when we were younger, being in Jamaica, going to Mexico, moved, a lot moved around a lot in different areas and living in New York City, the DC area, seeing different type of architecture, going to museums. We're also art collectors. So those things kind of inspired us, but also working with the other investors too, Melanie. So for about a year before we started doing our own homes, we went from water damage and fire damage, which kind of gave us our general contracting skills. So when the homes were destroyed or they were water damaged, somebody had to put them back. So we were doing the whole job. And that's when we learned from the foundation up to the roof, from the studs to the walls, all about the construction on a real intimate level. That's when we said, okay, we know a lot about this. And we got a lot more money now. 
So let's start partnering with the investors. And that's when we started working with investors, but not owning. At that point, we were just kind of building for them, but we were doing all the work. We were designing the houses. We were looking at the tile. We were building all those relationships that we'll need in our own business a year later. And I think that what you said right there, Calvin, is the reason why. Because we know the normal GC, how they look, right? They're going to be a little older, a little more astute, get the job done well, but they're not going to be as active on the job site like we are. They don't have that energy. And let's be real, back then, we were able to charge a little bit cheaper than them too, right? So we were able to give them a better price. So we sacrificed some price. Like, man, me and Calvin, we can take 30000 We don't got to take fifty. So not only do we have the skills and the designs, we can charge a little lower, which now we can do more work and get our brand name out faster and do more jobs. And that's how we kind of grew a lot faster. And now our prices have risen since then, everyone. But you know- Well, now you're a brand. You can charge all you want. <laughs> and that's one thing too, Melanie and Cal. That's one thing that I see a lot. And that's a big point I see on like Instagram and all these other places where they're like, well, know your worth and charge a certain number and do it immediately. But I would say that you have to truly know your worth and understand that there are several thousand people doing the same thing that you're doing. And sometimes you have to be humble. And if you have a great product, you need to say, you know what? This product is great. Get it into the right hands for maybe a discounted price. So now you can exponentially grow rather than thinking you have to serve at a certain price because Pepsi's doing it well. They have a brand. We need to build our brand. And so building a brand comes from being humble, being consistent, and also having great customer service. And that's why we were the better buy. You mentioned customer service, and I want to unpack that a bit because I think people underestimate the importance of customer service in a field like this. Can you speak to what you did to make yourselves the best at that? We want to be one of the best, right? We're not perfect, and that's what the thing about customer service is, right? Knowing that we're not perfect, especially back then when we were a lot newer, we were still growing through our own growing pains, right? So yes, we were providing a great price and providing the same quality service as the other guys. That's the first step, right? But the second step was understanding that everything might not go right. And when we first started, you get scared about things going wrong. But then you realize as you get more experience in the business, like things are going to go wrong, just like any time in life, just understand how to fix them. And being in construction, we always say, well, we're the contractors, we can do what we want. We just rebuild it back, right? So being (laughs) able to have that kind of confidence Calvin and I have when we're doing our jobs, we're not perfect. And sometimes we might think the customer is wrong. But um, we always go back, try to get this stuff done the right way. Can you give me an example of something that went unexpectedly wrong that you had to backtrack and rebuild? And Yeah, let's go back to the beginning. So there is a project that we did, a small one, kind of far away, maybe like an hour and a half away from us. And we're based in Dallas. There's just supposed to be like, take the carpet out, change the baseboards, change out the wall. Because it was after a water damage job or something like mm-hmm. that. So we're just putting everything back. And it was so far out. My painters, I couldn't get my guys out there for a job. So I had to use somebody else. And the guy I used, when I got back to the job, it was a mess. Like he was gone. He left because he knew we couldn't get the job done. Did he even paint? (laughs) He didn't even paint. I think he might've been a painter, like an artist instead of like a painter. (laughs) How bad he was. So pretty much that job, I brought two or three guys in to get it Mm. done. I just couldn't get it to the quality where our brand name was. And so I had to bring my guy way out there to pay him more just to get that done. So that mm-hmm. was a job where being far away and not having your right team members on there kind of cost us. And me also trying to get lower, cheaper numbers. You know, right. another one, Chris Foot fell through the ceiling. Oh, 
Yeah, just your foot. Listen, I'm talking to the homeowner in the garage, Melody. I'm talking to the homeowner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, we see, <laughs> boom, right between us, a leg. Oh, my gosh. That's terrifying. It was wet up there, okay? And I slipped. Then you see my eyes, like, hey, guys, it's wet up there. <laughs> things like that. I mean, better your foot than any more of your body. Thank God for that. We'll be back with more from Chris and Calvin Lamont after the break. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back to The Better Bod, a podcast from Better Homes and Gardens. I'm your host, Melanie Berlier, and today I'm speaking with Chris and Calvin Lamont. On your hit HGTV show, Buy It or Build It, which premiered spring of 2022, I believe, Chris is the one who showcases older homes with the potential to meet a client's wish list. And Calvin, you're the guy who pitches new builds. How did you become the build guy, Calvin? And what makes you the renovate guy, Chris? I think I became the builder guy because rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> On the TV show, day to day, my brother deals with more of the GCs and the permits. I might deal more with the investors sometimes and some of the design, but we do all the same things. But for the show, I think because Chris wanted to win more episodes, he chose to bite because <laughs> he gets all the wins and it's hard for me to He was born first. Numbers. He was winning he from was day born one. First. So there's no real reason why. But the reason why I love doing builds from the ground up is because you have a blank slate, Melanie. I can mm-hmm. start from blank. And of course, I have a few parameters of how high, how wide I can go. But within those certain parameters, I can do a lot. And there's not a lot of surprises. I don't like surprises in real estate. So that's why I like doing new builds, less surprises and more freedom from my head. I love sitting next to the architect and designing with him from the beginning to the end and kind of working with him through that. So that's awesome. At what point does it make sense for a prospective homeowner to build rather than move into a pre-existing home that's move-in ready or needs a reno? Well, I just really just went through that. I'm finished now with the house I'm living in right now. I just moved in like last week. It's beautiful. Thank what you, I can see of it, at least. <laughs> Basically, I didn't really want to build a house because of time. I wanted to really just get into a house, be able to move in, do some small renovation stuff and just stuff like that, and then take it bit by bit so I can get in earlier. But because of COVID and the prices were going up so high, I was in a bad time, I guess. Always going to be something that's going to be an issue in real estate, right? You got to just overcome it. So when I was trying to buy the house a couple of years ago, the house was worth 350000 but they want four twenty five for it. Or the house is worth five hundred, they want five fifty or five sixty. That's a bad thing to get into because now you have to pay cash over the appraisal value. It's just a whole mess. So I decided to go into finding a lot. I'm already a builder, so I know how to build. I already lived in the historic district. So I said, you know what? That might be a good idea to live over there. I knew it was going to be harder because historic districts are always harder to build in. But I was able to do it. I got a decent price for the lot, but I was able to save a lot of money on the build because I'm the builder. I didn't charge myself. And I was able to get exactly what I wanted, what my wife wanted. And she's very happy. I got some things to do still in here. We're still on boxes and some stuff like that in here. But definitely 
happy with the decision of building a house, but it does take a lot of time, guys. So you have to be patient. For our listeners who aren't developers, what are the factors they should weigh when deciding to build? So obviously cost, I would say not just of the lot, but materials. You're exactly right. This is Calvin talking. We'll go with location. Now understand that you might can't find a lot in the exact location you want. So you might have to sacrifice on where you want to build your home. Then of course, the soft cost, which is like the stuff you have to do before you even get the house. That's going to cost you money too. And then time, like Chris said, he wanted to do a buy it because he wanted to get in faster. So right. there's more time. But at the end of the day, you get what you want. But then also be careful, guys, when you're building a house, make sure you have a good contractor and you don't make too many changes so you don't start to go over your budget and stuff like that. So those are the things I would keep in mind when building a new. Can you also list a few of those soft costs that you mentioned? I think people underestimate that. The soft costs can get very high. So let's just start from the beginning. So you have to get your survey for your lot or plat. You have to get your architectural plans. A designer, because most people aren't me. So you need a designer, an architect, an engineer, and then you have to get the permit. So those, let's say, depending on where you live at, you might want to market around maybe 1% for your soft Yeah, cost. it adds so up. It adds up. So around ten to fifteen dollars to $20,000. And last thing you have to know when you're buying a house is you might have to be able to upfront cost some of those items for your builder or just ask what costs are you going to be accountable for during that project so therefore you can be ready for it. You should always have a few dollars set aside when you're building a house because it's going to be a change order or something like that. Just make sure you're ready for it. Now that your build is complete, Chris, do you regret anything? Would you do anything different or is it 100% everything you wanted? You always improve, right? You know, (laughs) so I need to finish the backyard and do some things like that. But in terms of how the house is, I really like how it came out. We live in a historic district of Dallas, so I did a true craftsman style on the outside, but we did more like an industrial modern on the inside. Calvin called me white oak boy because I do say white oak, (laughs) but we got brass in here. We got a nice fireplace. So very, very nice. But I think that if I could do it again, I would probably just add one more room solely for the kids when they had their friends come Mm. over. And right now where it stands, there's nowhere they can play besides outside because everything's too nice for them. Right. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> my house is actually not too far my lot. I'm actually building it too. Oh, great. Yes. We're starting that right now and we're going through that process. So I put around $20,000 just to get some of the things started. So mm-hmm. I have a daughter. My brother has two kids. So that's good for them. We're going to be within like five minutes. Oh, that's really nice. You two have such good vibes. Do you ever disagree? Do you ever get into work fights? What's the worst work fight you've ever gotten into, if any? Well, we're twins and we're brothers, so we get in fights all the time about who's better in football or what you eat today. (laughs) Or who designed that? Who got that investor? Yeah, Oh, I see. So it's like a credit grabbing situation. I'm trying to stop that. No, I'm trying <laughs> to stop. Our wife says, guys, y'all both getting paid. So y'all just keep going. Good, right. But I think one of the craziest things was one of our office managers got a call. So me and my brother were on a job site and we're doing work and we got in an argument and we're literally not fighting, but we're tussling. No, nah, he's trying to fight me. Don't lie. He tried to fight me. So we tussled a little bit. And we got a And call. just like him, he took my story. But anyway, the homeowner's like, I think the guys are wrestling in the house. And our office manager, Dominique, at the time, calls us and says, guys, I know it's you two. Stop it. That's hilarious. It would be weird if you weren't twins. Yes. Or brothers. I would have fired whoever that was if I wasn't the boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So how many residential lots do you two own today? And what's your end goal? 
well, in Dallas, probably like around 35 lots or something like that. We own around there a couple of large and multi-family ones that we're trying to do some work on. But our main goal is to be true developers. We work with a company right now who does a lot of large development. And our goal is to really do the master plan, the master plan communities and just larger developments. But we're doing it holistically from the entry level housing to townhousing all the way up to that million dollar house if there's water features or something like that. So we really want to be community builders. And like Calvin said, we have a legacy where we're one of the biggest real estate companies in the country or in that world. And what that's called specifically is a master plan community. So it's a community that has residential and commercial in it. That's our main goal, pretty much to buy around and do this multiple times, 1,500 to 2,000 acres, divide that up. And we'll build schools, police stations, common areas, amenities, stadium, all that stuff will be within a community, within the community. Mm -hmm. That's our main goal. And right now, we're on our way. We have land in Augusta, Georgia, Dallas. We're looking to close a deal in Aiken, South Carolina, which is right outside of Augusta, Georgia. Right now, we pretty much build entry-level and workforce houses. So anywhere like under $500,000, three dollars to $500,000. Mm-hmm. And that's a real good sweet spot for us. And then the other last that are a little more expensive and commercial, we do deals with developers and builders and they'll work with us to build those. So that's what we're kind of working on right now. And By some chance, I got an email in my inbox just today showcasing a survey of 2,000 non-homeowners that found that only 53% are confident that they'll be able to afford their own home someday and that one in five expect that they'll never be able to afford one. And I know making home ownership is important to you as part of your mission. And I'm wondering what you're doing or how you think you can make homeownership more achievable for people at scale. Yeah. So we feel that America is capitalistic, right? So these developers and home flippers, they can buy a lot and flip it to whatever price they really want to, right? And a lot of times we did it ourselves too, before we started doing this, buy a house that's perfectly fine for 250000 or three hundred or whatever the number is, one fifty, and then we build a million-dollar house on it, right? And that's great. The house looks good, but that's obviously not what we want to do in terms of some of these neighborhoods because as developers, we're trying to work with cities directly so we can get these lots at a pretty good price. So therefore, we can sell to average income homeowners and even below average income homeowners, which will allow them to get into that race of being able to have a home and be a homeowner. How we do that is building houses that are more thoughtful, but might not be 5,000 square feet. They might be 1,600 square feet, 1,700, even 1,200 square feet. But these days, we make that feel very large. Right. The cities really do want to do it, but it's just us coming together as investors and builders, being able to get enough land to be able to make an impact when we do build. Yeah, and this is Calvin talking. I think that was great, Chris. And I think it's a three-way partnership between the cities, the developers, and then the homeowners. So there might be some areas where the city is looking to concentrate on. And that's where my brother and I and our company will go in and say, we would love to buy 500 lots in this area, or we would love to have 100 acres in that area. So us working with the cities, we're letting them know that We want to buy large amounts of land, but we might even rezone it so we can put more homes on there. So one way that we do it is instead of taking lots that are super big or that had bigger homes on it, we might put townhomes, duplexes, and single family homes. So not only do we like to stay in a price point for our entry levels at around 275 to 325, 
We also like to bring different type of homes for homeowners. So if homeowners understand that duplexes are amazing, townhomes, sometimes even condos that a homeowner can get into, and then also just kind of level up. And last thing I would say is, as a new homeowner, I would probably say be humble, just like in business and life. When we're starting out, you still need to be humble about where you live at and also how much house you can actually afford or what you should actually do. So I would say that if you do that, if you have an investment, you can always rent it later or you can sell it and take that equity to have a down payment on your next home. But being that homeowner is going to open up so many doors financially and just, you know, mentally, subconsciously, it's going to be a difference in your life when you own a home. So I would definitely say do everything you can to try to own it. Get your stuff in line and get ready to buy a house. But you can do it. Definitely. Chris, what was Calvin like as a kid? Trying to be the cool kid for sure. But we were athletes. So definitely Calvin was a guy that was a leader. He wanted to always lead in his way. He's definitely an alpha type of guy. He would let you know how he feels. He's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking at the time. And that's why me and Calvin have arguments sometimes because we are definitely two strong opinionated persons. But the good thing about us, because how we grew up with another brother and having like, I hope he's putting <laughs> buddy hairs on my head because we were brothers and because we play sports, we understand that you can have your own opinion and be really, really passionate about it. But just like in a team sport, when it's time to run the play, we all got to run at the same play and we got to get it done. So we are good at being able to argue and be aggressive and be who we are, but still at the end of the day, accomplish something and then we'll figure out who was right or wrong later. Right. <laughs> Calvin, same question for Chris. I'll keep it quick. We call Chris officially Uncle Patrick. Oh, my Lord. My dad's name is Patrick. That's our dad. But, you know, the cousins and everybody. That's Uncle Pat. Not only does he look like our dad a lot, but, you know, he thinks he's the dad. Try to say, oh, no, don't do this. Do this. Try to tell people what to do. So that'll be him. He thinks he's somebody's father. So that was Chris growing up. Now I am a father of two. Now I got too much to do with those kids. Y'all can do what y'all want now. So (laughs) One more question. Who makes the best burger? I think personally, I am the true chef in this house. But then Calvin does do a great rib. But (laughs) but besides the rib, I'm in this kitchen. I'm baking. Ask my wife. I'm cooking. I'm getting it done. I like to grill more. Chris probably do more inside the house. But I do a nice, amazing chicken wing. Perfect. (laughs) I'd love to do, just to wrap things up, a quick round of word association. So I'll feed you a word. And just reply with whatever comes to mind immediately. How about I give a word and you both respond, Chris first, because he was born first. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So first word, demolition. Fun. Dirty. Success. Um, Consistency. It's consistency to me. Value. Community. Property. Gotta own it. Lamont Brothers. (laughs) Fatherhood. Special. A blessing and a privilege. And happiness. Happiness is the goal in life. Love and family. And watch some HGTV's bodybuilding. That's happiness for y'all too. Yes. <laughs> is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to make sure we speak about today? You hit it out the park. Everything you asked was amazing. We're just happy to be here. Thank you. Well, we are so happy to have you. It's been truly a pleasure getting to know you both. And thank you so much. You've been listening to the Better Buy from Better Homes and Gardens. 
be sure to follow The Better Buy on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. We'd love your feedback, so please rate this podcast and leave us a review. You can also find us online at bhg.com slash thebetterbypodcast. And make sure to come back next week for more. Here's a preview. I'm Jenna Dwan. I'm an actress, dancer, producer, mom, partner, and believer in magic. I'll see you then. 